Aloha, unconventional people. This is your unconventional professor speaking. My name is Loredana Padurian. Welcome to another episode of The Unconventional Professor. I have to tell you that I'm beyond excited for two reasons. One, because of my guest, who is amazing. And two, I know it's silly and you got to think that I'm so dumb, but I have 200 views or, or, or I don't know, plays, 200 plays of the podcast that I launched only four days ago. So I love you. I thank you. I'm grateful. Even if I only have three listeners or 10 listeners, but they like it, I consider my mission done. Because at the end of the day, I will tell you the story of this podcast. I never, I never really told you. But the reason why I started the podcast was because initially, one of my friends, the amazing Ambra Mazzelli, who's a professor at Asia School of Business, she's Italian, she asked me if I can give a talk to her students about how to do a podcast. And I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast. But she's like, you can talk about everything. I was like, okay, but if I have to talk about this, I need to do some research. And the more research I did, the more I realized I have to do a podcast. So I started doing this podcast as an exercise for for my students. And then I realized, well, maybe I kind of like it, so let me do it. So we have a really, really, really long session today. I'm giving you a warning, but it's such a good one. And Crystal Cha, the amazing, extraordinary and unconventional Crystal Cha is my guest today. We talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about love. We talk about um, self-compassion. We talk about therapy. We talk about cats. We talk about protecting the defenseless. uh, defenseless. We talk about validation. Uh, Let me see. I have seven pages of comments that I want to talk to her about. Uh, But before we do that, welcome to the I like what I like segment. I do want to tell you what I like today. And um, the reason why I want to talk about this book is... It's highly related to uh, what Crystal and I want to talk about. So we'll see if we get there. But uh, uh, I like today this book by Laurie Gottlieb. It was published in 2019. And the title of the book is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And uh, it was recommended by, by one of my friends who is, I think, review, reviews, book on, on, reviews books on social media. And initially, I was like, I don't want to read about the book about the therapist, her relationship with her therapist, and then talking about other people's lives. But I have to say, this book, every page should be highlighted. In every page, I felt like, oh my God, I'm learning so many things. Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know that. Oh my God, I can't believe I learned that. So it's not a light book, even though I have to admit, I read it when I was on vacation, whatever that vacation is in these times. But it's profound is transformative, is questioning a lot of things that you, you believe in, uh, it's, is a teachable book, is a learning book, it's a reflective book, and I love it. So today I like the Maybe You Should Talk to Someone book by Lori Gottlieb. I highly recommend that you read it, and if you did, or if you will, and if you like it, please let me know. And in a few seconds, we will start our amazing interview with Crystal Cha, uh, and I hope you like it as much as I do. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Crystal Cha. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited to hear your voice. Uh, We've been talking for the past few weeks, but every time I talk to you, it's great to hear you. And likewise, I always learn a lot whenever I talk to you as well. Thank you. One of the advantages of being a professor is that 
I meet a lot of people in my class as students, and then few of them who tolerate me enough uh, are willing to become my friends later on. And I think of you as one of my friends, Crystal. Likewise, I I think um, maybe we'll unpack this as we talk more. But I think it was pretty early on in the journey that I started to see you as more than a professor. I realized you were someone who had a very interesting perspective on things, and um, I benefited a lot from that. I've grown a lot as a result of our relationship. So thank you for that. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. It's it's such a great validator to hear that. Um, I mean somebody. <laughs> I mean something for somebody. So uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is the segment that I love to call Five on Five. It's part of the Unconventional Professor podcast. It's an interview that I usually try to have with people from normal walks of life. Why do I say that? Uh, There's so many platforms to interview people who are famous, successful influencers in one way or another. But uh, I always thought that it would be so interesting to hear from people who are just like us. Uh, And the truth is that nobody's just like us. And uh, I think that's why I love to invite people who have unconventional views. And Crystal is one of these these people. She has probably some of the most unconventional views about about the world. And that's why I'm Crystal. And let's let's go straight into it. Are you ready? Yes. So my my first question is the question that I try to ask everybody is... uh, what makes you unconventional? And tell, can, can you tell us in a few words a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, sure. So it's a challenging question to answer. What makes me unconventional? <laughs> uh, I think if we look at the outer things that make me unconventional, I think one of the clearest things is I was homeschooled, which uh, in this part of the world is, is pretty unconventional. Mm. Uh, I finished high school early when I was 16, went to college immediately after. Um, I also don't speak the language of my culture. So I'm what, um, I'm what Chinese people would call a banana, yellow on the outside, <laughs> white inside. Um, and I think Another way that I'm pretty unconventional is that I got married and divorced at a young age. Married at 25, I was divorced at 27. Um, And I think that's not an experience that many people have. But I think if you look past the outer labels that make me unconventional, I think one of the big things that the big ways I see myself as being a bit different is that I'm a questioner. I, I like to question things. I don't accept things at face value. Uh, and over time, I think I'm learning to be less afraid of when my questions lead me outside of what is seen as normal or acceptable. That's beautiful. Uh, I really love how you presented this, um, this uh, label, even though I don't like labels, but it is a label of being unconventional. There is an outer self that seem unconventional, and then there's an inner self that 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 is the true unconventional. And uh, I recently had um, one of uh, my guests on the podcast and I said, maybe from outside, she doesn't seem unconventional, but I know that the, her values and beliefs. Um, so that's how I think about you. I don't think any of us, if you look at us from the outside, you're like, wow, you don't have blue mm-hmm. hair. You don't have crazy outfits. What makes you unconventional? But it's, it's a lot more the, the inner self Okay, so like I said, the the format of this interview is five on five. I asked Crystal one question and she's going to throw one at me right now. So I'm all yours, Crystal. 
Yeah, um, so I was listening to, I think it was the second episode of your podcast. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you were talking about with your guest about um, both having experiences of being diagnosed with uh, ADHD. And, um, you know, you were talking as well about how people perceived you on the outside, um, you know, maybe arrogant, confident, overconfident because you have strong opinions. Um, yeah, so the question I wanted to ask you, because knowing you on a personal level, I've seen that you're also a very kind person. You know, you have, you, when I was um, dealing with a flare up, uh, an allergic reaction, you sent me serums and things for my skin. You've, you've fostered cats, you know, you take time out of your, your busy schedule to, to help people. And I, I think this is a side that maybe people don't, don't see. Um, so the question that I wanted to ask you is, what do you think is the importance of kindness in our lives? And how do you balance confidence versus kindness oh that's why i love to have my my former students on this podcast because they ask all the tough questions i i, I guess because you survived the uh, the mba program i was thinking as you were speaking that i never heard somebody describing themselves as a banana yellow on the outside and, and white on the inside <laughs> but when you started talking about me i was thinking i guess i'm a little bit like a coconut i'm very hard on the outside and, and soft and juicy in the in the inside in the sense that i mean juicy that actually and I, I get very excited about things and uh, so uh, my relation is well I guess in a way um, it's complicated like everything else my grandmother was the kindest person that I have ever met but only with the people that she loved in mm. a way that you had to you had to earn the kindness she she was a she was a well, she was an entrepreneur in a world of no entrepreneurs, in a world of communism. And she would give you her shirt off her back, which she barely had one shirt. But she had to be sure that you're not taking advantage of her. Uh, and that was a really interesting, that was a really interesting type of behavior. And I guess because she survived such a harsh world. She survived, you know, the war. She survived the early stage communism. She survived a very severe political system later on. And I a little bit like that, um, I, in the sense that I would I would probably say yes to whatever you ask me at first, and I would do it. But uh, uh, I, I would want to be sure that I'm not being taken advantage of. And I think a lot of people who know me a little bit better, they say you're very different than what I thought. You're very different than what I perceived on the outside. You're you're very strong, borderline uh, arrogant, um, very self secure. Um, also almost insensible many times, but uh, I guess that's, that's the kind of, I don't know, that's the kind of love. I, I, guess, I guess I believe a little bit in tough love. Uh, but the truth is that I, I do think I'm very kind if I care about you, if I see that you're honest, if I see that you're authentic. I think when I don't, when I'm not kind is when I see that people are not honest, mm. when they are trying to hide. Like I always tell my students, Everybody has a problem. Just come forward and tell me and we can fix it together mm -hmm. rather than hide. And then I have to find out about it. And then I'm like, oh, why didn't you tell me? I recently had a case like this where somebody missed for many, many days and I didn't know about it. And they were trying to cover up. And I kept saying, all you needed to do is come to me and say, you know what? 
I need some time off. But then the other side of this is, and I'll, I'll end with this, is a lot of people tell me that I'm very intimidating. And I always say this, don't give powers to others. What exactly uh, gives me the power to intimidate you? What, my title? So what? There's so many other people like me out there. So I also think this relationship that we have with intimidation is very personal. So I guess this, I don't know if this answers your question, to be honest, but I try to be, I think I'm naturally a kind person, but I'm also somebody who's cautious about how you're going to use the kindness that I'm, I'm going to give you. And yes, I love cats, but who doesn't? <laughs> we share that in common, right? Yes, absolutely. I think um, it does answer the question. And uh, what I took away from your, your answer was um, that it's about the intention behind what you might seem on the surface as tough love. It, you know, it actually comes from a good place. And uh, people who are open enough to see that will appreciate that and value that. I'm definitely one of them. I appreciate that tough love a lot. Um, I don't think it's always tough. You know, sometimes you yeah. buy meals and that's very nice and I enjoy it. <laughs> um, but there are times, um, I think, where you've called me out from, for being five minutes late to class. Uh, punctuality was something I struggled with a lot while I was on the MBA. Um, it was because I was also very tired and not getting enough rest, but I realized yeah. that made me re realize I needed to fix part of my life's parts of my life that were broken because I couldn't even wake up on time and get up when the alarm went off. And uh, you, you played a big role in making me realize that, hey, people are counting on me to show up. <laughs> Thank you. I do have a, I do have a very strong um, preference for punctuality. And I think it's, I, I, it's not a, a, a respect towards me, but it's respect to, towards everybody else who made it in time. But exactly. um, so one of the things that I know about you, Crystal, is that you come and go. What do I mean by that? <laughs> uh, not, not physically, not just physically in life, but um, you're a constant learner. I think you said that you're defining yourself as, as somebody who's questioning things, who doesn't accept things as they are, who's not afraid to, to challenge conventions. When you graduated, which you're the founding class, right? You graduated in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, you packed your bags and you left and you went to Europe, right? You went to Copenhagen? To Finland. Oh, to Finland. Yeah. Yes, to Finland. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about what the... First of all, if you want to tell us why you left and what does it take to pack your bags and go? And I'm asking this because I've done it so many times in my life. And I always feel there's something positive, but there's also something that there's a high price that comes with this. So tell me a little mm. bit about your, your transition from Malaysia to uh, Northern Europe, which is a very, very different culture. And what are some of the things that maybe you learn from that? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I like how you mentioned there are so many complexities to making, making one decide to pack everything up and go to a completely different environment. Um, and you're right in that I've been doing that for a lot of my life. <laughs> I've studied yeah. and lived and worked in uh, many different places in companies of all kinds of sizes and with all kinds of different cultures. So I feel very at home in a diverse community like ASB. Um, I think for, the, for a large part of my life, um, I always had the sense that I was running away to 
escape something. I didn't know what it was mm. at the time. Uh, but I do remember very clearly this line from the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's where um, the, the guy tells the main character um, that, you know, kid, wherever you run, oh, you can run as much as you want, but wherever you run, you're always going to end up running into yourself. And I think that line stuck with me because I didn't want to be the kind of person who was always running away from myself. Yep. You know, always thinking that a, a new place or a new country or a new relationship or a new mm. job title will make me feel better about my life. Yep. Um, and I think with Finland, it was one of the, the, the few times in my life um, at that point where I was running towards something. Mm. Um my uh, junior, Jonathan Chu, who you interviewed on the first episode, you know, yeah. he, he always asks me, he always tells me that, um, you know, people at ASB always say, oh, you know, how much work Crystal had to do to, to get a job in Finland, <laughs> how much networking she did, and how many people she call messaged on LinkedIn. Um, and John, John said, yeah, but, you know, I, I, told, I told Rhoda, the, the head of the career development at ASB, I told Rhoda that, yeah, because Crystal had a motivation to go to Finland. And I immediately laughed because John was so right. It wasn't about just going to Finland for the job. It was because, you know, at that point, I had met somebody. Uh, we were getting to know each other long distance. And uh, besides, I've always wanted to have the opportunity to work in Europe. I do mm -hmm. think uh, the, the work culture and the work ethics over there uh, aligns more closely with, with my personal approach to work and my personal work ethics. So that was definitely a motivation, but a big great motivation was also a relationship. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that's a very strong factor for making one pack up, pack up my bags and like leave to the other side of the world. That that played a big factor in in my decision, um, because I think when you really want something, you're willing to move move heaven and, yeah. and and mountains to to get there uh and i would say it was a i have no regrets about that experience i think when you're away from your home you see the you see home very differently i had a lot of oh, yeah. resentment and things i didn't like about the you know growing up here in malaysia in in an asian setting a lot of things that i felt i didn't align with who i was um, but being in Finland, I could see things that also shaped me and made me who I am today, see it with more appreciation and more gratitude, and also mm -hmm. realize that the things I didn't like, I could find ways to manage around them. And so when yeah. I decided to come back, it was with that awareness and with that knowledge that there are some things here that are going to trigger me, but I think I can manage them better now because I've had that distance away in Finland for two years. Wow. I, I, I'm taking so many notes. I don't know if guys, you can hear paper in the background or my pen, but I'm taking so many notes. One day I'll publish these notes because I think they're equally valuable to, to the interview. Before you have your, your question for me, I, I just want to react to two things. Maybe I do want to talk a little bit about relationships because I, I, I did a short poll on, on Instagram the other day and people want to talk about long distance relationships. They want to talk about relationships with yourself. Um, but I, I have a very similar reflection to yours about moving from country to country or from place to place or from company to company. And I realized that by moving, this is my sixth country, I think, 
for a very long time, just like you said, uh, like Holly Golightly said in, in Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? I, I was running away from myself. And I think every time I started something new, I thought, wow, great. There's an opportunity to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. And then recently I realized, no, honey, you don't reinvent yourself. You're always the same person. Yeah. What you're running from are the things you don't like about yourself. And those will always follow you unless you're willing to do the work there, right? If I'm not willing to do the work about the things that I really don't like about myself, they will always chase me. They will always be right behind me, breathing down my neck and constantly reminding me why I'm, why I'm running away from myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can't really reinvent myself. What I can do, I can probably try to be better at whatever, at whatever better is that I need to be better at. Exactly. Yeah, wow, that's so true. All right. What do you have for me, Crystal Cha? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, the next question that I had for you um, is, uh, you know, I always think of a good teacher as one who sees the potential in a student and is also able to bring it out of them. Um, and I think a few over a few conversations, you've told me before how you come from a little village in Romania. I think in your one of your previous episodes, you also mentioned how it was you were pretty old. I think in your in your teens, if I recall, when you you know you sort of, you you met you know, the the first person of color that you've met in your life. Yeah. And now you've lived in many different countries. You're on the other side of the world in Asia, teaching a very diverse community. So the question I have for you is, um, did you always, did, was this the future you envisioned for yourself when you were a little girl or when you were a teenager? And when did you first start to value diversity and become so good at connecting with people across different cultures? I love this question. I, I, I love it on so many dimensions. Um, I went home last year Um, And I ran by accident into one of my classmates that happened to be my best friend from from grade one to four. So we were, what, seven seven to 12 years old at that point. And I have to say, my, my memory is very funny. I remember things from 30 years ago, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast. So I have very, very weird memories. And as I was running into into my friend, and we haven't seen each other, like I said, since we were 14, she said, she looked at me, she said, I can't believe that you became everything that you always wanted to be. Wow. And I was so caught by surprise, Crystal, for I, mm. I, I couldn't react. I said, what do you mean? She said, what do you mean? You don't remember? I said, remember what? You don't remember all the stories that you were telling me every day? I said, what stories? She said, we used to walk back home from school. This is back in the days when kids would walk by themselves from school. And she said, every day you would tell me a story about one of the adventures that you're going to have. And one day you told me this story about how you went to India and how you lived in a beautiful palace and how you were riding an elephant. And another day you would tell me how you, you went to America on a boat. And another day you would tell me about this uh, people that were listening to you. And Crystal, I was shocked. I do not recall having this conversation. I recall walking back home with her. Mm. And she said, this is exactly what you always wanted. You wanted to travel. You wanted to have um, an adventurous life. You wanted to be in different places all the time. And I got 
I, I was speechless for weeks. I kept thinking about that because later on in life, I think when I started to, to feel the pain of adulthood, um, I, I don't think that I had the same strengths in believing that my crazy dreams will ever come true. Mm. So probably somehow I, I, I buried them very deeply. And then my relationship with diversity, it's such a fascinating question because I asked myself this so many times. I don't understand why somebody who comes from a culture that is so homogenous, I never met anybody of color. I didn't know anybody that was openly gay. I didn't know anybody who was a transgender or somebody who believed in a different God than I did. And why is it that today I find myself to be the happiest with these kind of people? Hmm. And do you remember Clara? Mm -hmm. Clara is one of our colleagues. She, She was a student. She was in class of 2019. And Clara and I became very good friends. I actually recently talked to her. She's in Spain. And uh, Clara asked me the same question. And I said, Clara, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be very honest. I don't know. I don't know why uh, I have, I'm such a supporter for extreme diversity, not even diversity. I'm, I'm, I love when people stand up for, for who they are. I never question why would somebody be different. And she said, did you used to read a lot as a kid? I said, yeah, that was the only thing that we could do. And I remember my mother punishing me because I was reading too much. Wow. And wow. she said, maybe that's it. Maybe your universe was so open when you were a child that when you encountered the characters from your book, from your books, you didn't question them. You didn't question how can somebody be transgender? Why, what's even that? Mm. Or how can this somebody, you know, be a, a, a black Muslim girl from, you know, I don't know, France. And it could be, I don't know, I, I think Clara is right, but that's, that's really an interesting question for me to ponder on. Uh, on my own development. Hmm. It, it's, Love the it's really interesting because when you said that you used to get punished for, for reading too much, that was exactly my childhood as well. I would bring books to the dinner table or my parents would be visiting some family friends and I would bring a book along and instead of talking to the adults, I would be reading my book and I would get reprimanded from, for it. And meanwhile, my, my friends who hated reading, their parents would come to me and say, oh, can, can you teach my daughter how to be more like you and yeah. how to read more? I was like, oh, I wish you were my, I'm just kidding, but I wish you were my parent because my parents scold me for reading too much. <laughs> but it's so fascinating I, that I um, said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I remember um, my parents coming home and I would hide the book. I'd be like, oh my God, they're going to catch me again reading. Like reading was the bad thing. And then I realized as I was preparing for this podcast and I started to listening to, to a few podcasts this year. My, my favorite one is uh, Jamila Jamil has an amazing podcast. And then uh, I love RuPaul. Um, and I realized that one of my first loves was um, radio theater. Hmm. Now, I don't know if anybody who's listening even knows what radio theater is, but it was um, a radio show that was pretty much a, a play, mm. uh, a theater play, uh, but on the radio. So the actors and the actresses had to perform in a way that you could imagine without seeing. Mm. And every Monday at 6.15 p.m., there was a new radio play. And that was my happiest time ever because it would allow me to dream, to use my own imagination, to think about what the characters look like, what the, what the you know, the, the, um, 
the background looks like. Um, and I loved it. It was my favorite thing to do. And when I realized that I'm doing a podcast, I was like, this is radio theater just 30 years <laughs> later <laughs> or 25 years later. Yeah, I did listen to some of those uh, radio theater plays as well. They were amazing. They were, they were yeah. really, really beautiful. So I have a, I have a hard question for you oh, now. Wow. And it's actually... It's, it's stimulated by something that you just said before. So once again, for those of you listening for the first time, Crystal and I do not share the questions in advance. I don't want her to tell me what she's going to ask me. And I am not telling my guests what, what I will ask because I love spontaneity. I love authenticity. And in my experience of, of being a moderator, of interviewing people and being interviewed many times, I realized that if somebody rehearses, if somebody knows the questions in advance, you're really not the authentic self that I think people love you for. So you said that you have um, identified many triggers. Um, there are many triggers in, in your life when you came back, when you were in Finland, you learn about triggers. Can you tell me a little bit about what are some of the big triggers? What are the things that trigger you? In what way? And what do you do about it? Can you manage it? I mean, the processing of managing, are they still triggering you? Mm, that's a fantastic question. Oh, wow. That, this is a question I unpack a lot when I, when I speak to my coach and previously my counselor as well. Um, and I think they've helped me see that actually our triggers are, I, I, you know, I, I first sought out therapy and I sought out coaching, mindfulness coaching, because I wanted to regulate my emotions better. I thought there was something mm. wrong with me that I was getting so angry all the time or I was getting so cynical and upset with the world, you know, I, I was a very melancholic, brooding uh, child. Um, yeah. You know, I would see so many things and be like, oh, how can people do this? How can they be abusing the animals? Or how can there be starving children in the world? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've over the years, I've learned that our, our triggers are actually very valuable signals and feedback for us to to tell us that that our values are uh, you know we we're feeling like our values are being threatened um behind mm. everything that makes us angry or upset which is a negative there's actually something we're trying to protect which is a which is a positive yeah. um and i started seeing that oh if there are these things i feel so strongly about certain values I have that I, f I feel very strongly about. Um, like, you know, um, one of the values I feel strongly about is protecting uh, the defenseless. Uh, so I feel very yeah. strongly about organizations doing work to protect children, to protect animals, to help uh, stateless people like refugees. Um, yeah. Because to me, it's very unfair when you choose to use a position of power to abuse or exploit exactly. or take advantage and, and to just not help. Um, so I realized that those, those are values that I, I felt strongly about. Even in when I was seven years old, even in, in the school playground, it really pissed me off when a group of children were picking on another child. It really yeah. made me angry. <laughs> um, so I, I started to realize that I, sh I could channel my energy into doing things that were productive to to help the values or the causes that I cared about um, 
Another trigger is maybe closer to home for more people. Maybe not everyone will feel as passionately about this causes, but maybe a bit closer to home is a big trigger for me was um, myself. It, when people said things that would trigger feelings of not feeling good enough or not feeling yeah, inadequacy, not feeling good enough. And um, it usually it hits close to home because immediately when somebody says something that triggers you, immediately what it brings you back to is the times that significant adults in, yep. your, in your childhood, yep. especially parents, said things to you that, that made yep. you feel like you were not good enough. And they probably didn't intend it that way. They, they probably were doing the, the best they knew um, when it comes to yep. when it came to raising a child, and they were probably giving me feedback to help me become a better person, I, I did not take yep. it that way at that time, and I just felt that oh, uh, you know, I'm not good enough child. My my parents maybe love my siblings more than they love me, or they would like they would like me well, if yeah. I was a more feminine girl, if I was less of a tomboy or yep. less uh, rebellious, or you know, or less of a questioner or less, um, you know less of somebody who always talk back um so when when in the workplace or when in social settings people would say oh crystal you you ask so many questions or oh you use such big words you know i would take that yeah. those those small comments uh in, that people make in passing and probably forgot that they even said said those things i would take it so personally uh as a reflection that i am not the person that other per want me to mm -hmm. be uh, and I think how I dealt with it was I love the fact that you're talking about relationships in in this episode because I think it boils down to the relationship that you have with yourself if you yep. don't feel like you're somebody worth loving or worth being friends with or of value then you will find Every, you you could find triggers in anything and everything that people say to you um, because everybody is always having their opinions and perspective on things and it's not a right or wrong perspective yeah. it's just their perspective with their context um, it does not have to apply to us if we're secure in who we are but when we're not uh, we take we interpret every you know, of course, there's things like microaggressions where people unintentionally say damaging things because they stereotype you or they lump you into a group. Um, that's a different thing altogether. But, you know, sometimes when you're mm. even your closest friends who love you, even when they make observations about you, even that can sometimes hurt because you don't feel secure in who you are. And, you know, I, I realized that I needed to work on that. Uh, so, you know, I started looking around me for for people who I felt had a very loving relationship with themselves and those around them. I started reading books on self-compassion. Um, and I think I'm very fortunate uh, in that being by being curious and by being in a community of uh, people who, who support that curiosity, I was able to find very good resources, yeah. books, coaches, um, you know, friends to talk with who really helped me re reinforce this journey I was on, that I need to be able to see value in myself. I need to be able to show kindness to myself. You know, then I won't be so triggered by people's perception 
of me. And I think mm. that even my counselor asked me when I decided to come back to Malaysia, he was like, are you sure, Crystal, you want to come back? You know, are you sure you're okay if people start asking you questions about your divorce, questions about your life in Finland? Are you sure you're okay and you won't get too good? And, yeah. and I had to be very sure that I could answer that question that, yeah, you know, I, I think I've come to a place where these remarks don't bother me so much anymore. That's amazing, Crystal. I, I really feel like every single word that you said, I resonate with. Um, but uh, uh, while you're preparing your question for me, I just want to make a couple of comments. And I think maybe I just realized some things as you were speaking. Um, one of the reasons why I think I'm so, I'm a coconut, I'm so strong from the outside is this is my attempt to protect mm. myself. Uh, I have been beat up in so many freaking ways that it's a miracle I'm still standing. I'm, I'm serious. Maybe at some point I'll talk about that, but I don't want to dwell. I don't want to tell people, oh my God, I was such a victim. But um, I, I, I did, I did um, I, in a way, I feel like I was raised, I was born a confident person. Nobody is bro born broken, psychologically speaking, right? Nobody's born broken. It's just what happens to you in the yeah. years to come. And I feel like I was... I think my natural self maybe is somebody who's positive and confident and kind and nice, but I was so beat up. I was so criticized. I was so constantly challenged and judged and, oh, this is not good. Oh, can't you see how you look? Oh, I can't believe you do that. My goodness. Did you hear yourself saying that? Oh, there's so many others who are so better than you. And all these loud, loud, loud voices for a while, they made me so small and so sensitive and so triggered like you said to every single comment that somebody would make until one day and I said this in my previous podcast almost somebody else came and took over and said listen don't worry about it I'll take care of you and I don't know if it was my true self or there was something there a self-preservation mechanism that said all right I'll take care of you from now on and I'm going to be bigger and scarier and more intimidating than anybody mm. can ever imagine so nobody can mm. hurt you and, and I do feel that sometimes I don't need to do that anymore, but that's the happy place. If I'm that, mm -hmm. nobody can trigger me. Nobody can attack me. Uh, I, I remember going, speaking of books, I went to the bookstore, not the bookstore, the library, and I returned the book that I got the day before. And the, the librarian yelled at me for lying, for reading the book, because nobody can read a book in a day. <sighs> wow. And she kicked me out of the library. And I remember feeling for weeks so bad about this and I kept saying but I didn't lie I really read that fast and it's true I read extremely fast even today but I think you're absolutely right I think I think self-compassion and I know we talk about self-compassion so much these days and probably people are rolling their eyes but oh trust me RuPaul says how can you love somebody else unless you love yourself mm. first and he's <laughs> always right <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm ready, um, my love. Before I ask you the next question, I just wanted to add on to the last thing you said about, you know, people feeling like mm. we, we talk so much about self-compassion. I think uh, a, a lot of times we, I think we talk about things we don't understand. And uh, what I didn't understand about the term self-compassion was that it was not the same thing as, it is not the same thing as self-esteem. You know, we've been, we've been told that, no, oh, be confident not. because you're great and you're special. And my generation is called the snowflake generation. We can't take criticism because we've been brought up thinking we're special and we can achieve our dreams. 
Um, but self-compassion is holding even the parts of yourself you don't like, your mistakes and your flaws, with compassion, with gentleness, saying, hey, it's okay, this is part of the human experience, you're still learning, you're still growing, and, and that's okay. And, and I think, yeah, I think that's what um, it's about. And I, I realized I, I, when, I re when I learned that perspective, my mindset on it completely changed. Yeah. Yep. So much here. I'm, I'm warning you guys, this might be a slightly longer podcast because I feel like Crystal is giving me a free psych evaluation right now. And I am, I, I can't even gather my thoughts. I'm so provoked by the things that you're saying and I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight once again, but this time for good reasons. I hope it's good reasons. Yeah. Um, okay. So the yep. next question I have for you is um, you talk a lot about, you know, being yourself and how you, you know, you get, you don't get along with people who you feel like are hiding something from you. Why, why, what is the importance you think of being yourself, being who you are, being honest? And a little bit more context about that question, about that question is that I think when I first met you and saw you giving lectures and talks, you know, wearing, I don't know, one day, one day it's leather, leather pants, pants, the next day it's yeah. a big chiffon skirt, um, <laughs> to serious, dignified, like older gentlemen in full suits and tie. Yeah. And I had so much respect for that because uh, I think a lot of the messaging women get about how to succeed in the workplace, in life, is to be less of who we are. Um, I got so mm -hmm. many good nuggets from Cheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, but there was one thing I strongly disagreed with. She said, don't be the one, don't be the one that yep, brings the cookies too. to the office. And I'm like, oh, hell no, yep. I'm bringing the cookies to the office. Everybody knows me as the person who brings the cookies, and plenty of my guy friends bring cookies as well. So, you know, what's wrong with that, if that's who you are? Um so I like that you you encourage people not to shave off the parts of who they are to be more acceptable or to to fit a certain mold. Of course, there are some benefits to to moderating who you are, and some people receive messages better if you present them a certain way. But for you, why is that so important to be yourself and to be authentic? Amazing question. Once again, I think it's also a little bit related to our previous conversation about about, uh, you know, self-compassion and self-compassion. I also think Crystal is very much saying this is who I am and it's OK. I'm not perfect right now. I might be later in some point in life. But um, at, the, at the beginning of this um, incredibly long lockdown or whatever the hell this is, I, I had a, a very short um, YouTube series with, with Freda, uh, Freda Liu, for those of you who don't know, she's an amazing, amazing, amazing media person in, in Malaysia. And we had at some point um, a guest, um, his name is Andrew, and we talked about this. We talked about the fact that um, in his coaching business, he's a CEO coach, um, his coaching business, he advised people to be their true selves, their natural selves. And if you are your natural self, you'll always be the same. So if you see me one day with the leather pants, do not expect that the next day you're going to see me all buttoned up because I will be who I am throughout. And maybe at first you're going to get a shock. You do not expect somebody to show up in, in a tutu skirt or in leather pants. But in a way, 
for me that it's your first indicator that this is not going to be a normal yeah. conversation. <laughs> so it's a warning. I'm, I'm, I'm showing you from the beginning what you should expect. And I actually remember this so well. Like I said, I don't remember a lot of things, but uh, Leticia, who was your colleague, and she was in your class and who's also a dear friend of mine now. I hope so. I, I don't know if I can call these people friends, but I assume I can. Maybe they, they don't <laughs> like me, but I do. So the first class we ever had together, uh, before the class started, I was running a, uh, I was playing a song by Metallica, who I love very much as a, as a pick-me-up song before I teach, because it's a very, it increases a lot of your testosterone level. And testosterone, it's an important hormone when you teach, because mm. you need to build strength. And I was wearing, I was wearing my, my favorite leather pants, who I only fit if I'm severely sick. So for those of you people out there who constantly comment on my weight, first of all, bug off. It's not your business because you do not carry me on your backs. But I only fit in my Prada leather bags, uh, pants when I'm severely sick. At that point, I was very, very sick. I just had two months later, I had a massive surgery. But I remember Letitia taking a short story on Instagram. And <laughs> she said, oh, my God, I just started my MBA. I don't know who this is, but she's wearing leather pants and playing Metallica. Welcome to the most unconventional school ever. <laughs> and I saw that story later on and I laughed so hard, but I was thinking, yeah, this is a signal. It's a signal. I'm warning you. I'm warning you that the quality of the conversation we're going to have is going to be high, but it's mm -hmm. not going to be a conventional one. And I think, and a lot of people, before I started the podcast, I did a poll. A lot of people want to talk about fashion. For me, fashion is part of this um, self-defense mechanism uh, where I'm going to be proud mm. to be a woman. I'm going to show you that I'm a woman. I'm going to wear a red Victoria Beckham dress that is so tight that I can't even breathe in it if that makes me feel like a woman. And you're going to have to deal with it. And if you don't want to deal with it because of that, because of the way I dress, then maybe that's the indicator that we shouldn't really have this conversation any, any longer. And in time, it's so interesting in time, this, become, this became very much part of my external brand. Like, I think people remember me now better because of my, my package. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the way I speak, it's the way I dress. And everything, this is one, uh, what Andrew was saying in the Outspoken podcast that I had, YouTube show that I had before. Andrew was saying that as long as everything about you is authentic and it's converging, then people shouldn't really have a problem processing you as an individual, I think the problem that I have with people when they are not themselves, and I don't mean fake, I don't mean fake people, I mean people who are mm. afraid to be themselves, is that mm. I don't know how to be around them. Mm. I don't know who they are. Are you, are you trying to protect yourself? Are you trying to protect me? What is it that you don't want to say? What is it that, mm. that you're fearful of? Why can't you just come up yeah. and say it? So I, I have a... I have a really complicated relationship with people who do not like themselves. And I, I don't mean arrogance. Arrogance do not like themselves. Arrogance project that they like themselves. But I, I have a problem with people mm. who are afraid of themselves. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something you said earlier, um, you know, where you said that your childhood friend said you've become exactly who she, who she remembered you saying that you wanted to be. And I, I wrote it down, but I didn't say it mm. at the time. But just the thought that triggered for me was that um, 
I have experienced in my life when I had great clarity, um, when I wanted to go to Finland, I made a vision board. I know it sounds very hippie and woo-woo, but I made a vision board with uh, pictures of trees from Finland, pictures of snow-lined streets, um, pictures of the European yeah. cafes that I wanted to go and sit in. And I did all of that. Um, and uh, at, at Microsoft, there's this saying I, that a few people, you know, have been, have, a few colleagues of mine have shared, uh, the saying that I can't remember who said it, but the saying is something like when where focus goes, energy flows. Um, and I think it's yep. so true because what what happens when we're unclear about who we are and what we want is that it is the opposite of clarity. There's it's no like focus energy, right? There's and no nobody focus. knows yeah. who you really are and what you really stand for. And I feel like that comes when we when the water is muddled and there's no clarity, there's murkiness, when there's too many people's expectations that we internalize for ourselves. If everybody is allowed to have an opinion and place their expectations of you on you, what you're going to get is like a total mix of things. confusion. Confusion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, one of the, 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 the reasons why I love this, this podcast by Jamila Jamil. She also has an email, uh, um, an Instagram account called I Weigh. And um, it's, especially when it comes to women, there's so many labels that others find so much confidence to put on us. Size, color, you know, how you should be, you should wear this. And then don't even get me started with all the cosmetics products that somehow, you know, we are responsible for wearing every day. And I feel like the second you say no to these things and the second you say, oh, hold on, I want to defend, defend my individuality, this is where you start to get bad names. Oh, she's such a bitch. Oh, it's so difficult to work with. Oh, I can't believe she's so arrogant. And no, it's not that. It's, it's my defense mechanism against all of you out there who are trying to label me and label my friends as being the different, I don't know, expectation that you had. So... I, I want to talk a little bit about something that you mentioned, and I'm not really sure how many people are comfortable talking about this, but I know you are. But um, I understand that you have a positive relationship with therapy and, and coaching. I've also spent mm -hmm. time with, with professional coaches, with, with therapists. Uh, I hit the rock bottom about four years ago, both physically and mentally. And I realized that I, I can't go to my friends anymore. Mm -hmm. I need to speak to a professional. Um, tell me a little bit about how did you develop... Um, an interest in, in therapy? How did you make the first step? Did it help you? Because I hmm. think a lot of us need therapy, but a lot of us don't realize that we need it. Or if we do, we are afraid yeah. to use it. I think I've always had a relationship with uh, counseling. I, you know, I grew up in a church setting. Uh, so we always had access to uh, mm -hmm. church counselors they might not have the same training as the, the current therapists and coaches that I see it was more in, informal counseling and yeah sometimes they didn't have the right tool set to necessarily help me or help everyone with what they were facing but I think there was less of a stigma for me because uh, there was already that that setting and that environment um, secondly was I think I I read a lot and uh, I read a lot of books and you know, sometimes I feel like without knowing the authors, it almost feels like they are my coaches or they're, they're guiding me. You know, I, I, I have yeah. that yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. to books and reading as well. 
And I think uh, the third thing that really pushed me, you know, for, for a lot of people, first, it's overcoming the stigma. And, and then secondly, once you've overcome the stigma, it's overcoming the mental barrier that why should I pay money for someone to listen to my problems? A lot of people are willing to invest in that, but yet are willing to pay for courses or education. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I think then what pushed me to finally go and get professional help was uh my rock bottom was um you know going through a divorce or actually even in the lead up to considering a divorce i i, I was already i already decided to reach out to a therapist and to to walk me through the process of deciding whether or not i should go through with the mm -hmm. divorce and i you know he told me from the start that the, you know, Crystal, this is going to take at least two months. I need to have at least seven, eight sessions with you. You need to see me every week for one to two hours. And I thought, wow, that's a lot. That's a big commitment. Um, he said it's a process. Yeah. You know, you can't unpack these things overnight. You can't get the answers you want in one session. Uh, so I appreciated that he was very upfront about it. I was skeptical, uh, but... Uh -huh, yeah, is yeah. this guy trying but to get I, my money I or sense you know, my intuition told me that he was someone who was a good person and he was going to be able to help me. Uh, and, and he did. In, in the end, I, I truly, deeply value uh, that uh, relationship that I have with my therapist. Over the years, he's, you know, seen me through not just the divorce, but also career transitions, big life changes, um, my relationship with my parents. Uh and I think I went into it thinking, okay, I'm going to get some answers about whether or not I should get divorced. But what it turned out to be was unpacking a lot of baggage I had from childhood. Uh, a lot of issues I didn't even know I had. Mm. Uh, and a lot of issues that had to do with how yeah. I related to myself and as a result, how I related to the world around me. Um, and I realized there was a lot of unhelpful patterns of thinking, a lot of negativity that I had because mm. because of these things that I have had never fully dealt with um, so it was such a to me it was a very beautiful journey of being able to unpack all of that I think it was very messy for sure at the start um, there was a lot painful yeah. there's a lot of tears painful. Uh, and in fact at one point I even argued with my counselor and I wanted to quit because I said, I don't get, you know, why are you asking me all these difficult questions? I don't understand how this is helping. Um, but I think, you mm -hmm. know, if you stick with the process, or most things in life, when you stick with the process, you do see results. Um, so I like the results that I was seeing. I like that I was less bitter. I was able to sleep better at night. Yeah. Uh, so I continued. I am... Um... I have so many things to say about this and I'm trying to, to put my thoughts in order. Um, I have prior to this segment, for those of you who already listened, but I talked about this book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. It's an amazing book. Um, I don't know if you know of it, uh, Crystal. Mm. Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And it's very much a book about, written from a perspective of a psychologist, um, and uh, talks about this this journey of building a relationship with your with yourself and with your psychologist. And yesterday, I was listening to another podcast, and um, it was a podcast um, 
hosted by Ashley Graham. The, po- the podcast name is um, Pretty Big Deal. She's a plus size model. So in a way, she's, she's uh, you know, making a little bit of joke. But she had Chelsea Handler, uh, who's, a, who's an American comedian. And Chelsea was talking about the fact that she uh, finally took therapy seriously, which it means that she didn't back out of difficult questions. But the process of taking therapy seriously yeah. was a process in itself. And um, one of my very, very best friends, who I hope is listening uh, today, she told me at some point when I suggested with all the love that I have for her that maybe she needs to start seeing somebody. Uh, she said, but what if I'm going to find out things about myself that I don't want to wow. find out? What if everything that I am is not who I think I am? And that was such a profound comment. And I was like, I think this is the reason why I'm afraid to see a psychologist. To be honest, I, I know that I need to, but I'm not ready to face this monster um, but the, the great thing is that now she is seeing a therapist and she said, I realized that, yeah, I might not, not be the person who I think I am, but wouldn't that be, you know, tragic if mm. I wouldn't know who I really am? Yeah. I have amazing friends. I have to say if the, if the worth of a person is, is measured in their friends, for some reason, I don't know why, but I am so grateful for mine. I'm probably a giant just looking at this. <laughs> okay. I Is think I'm ready for I've lost question. Track. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's going to be my last question. To okay, you, so this is my this fourth is question. The, the second to last. Okay. Um, jumping off mm-hmm. from this topic of therapy, uh, one of my, my favorite authors, Elaine de Botton, he 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 found, he started this organization called the School of Life, and he writes a lot about how to live a better life more mindfully, and writes about relationships. He said one of the first things that we should ask people when we first meet them or on first dates is we should ask them, "How are you crazy?" Because as he says, we are all a little bit crazy. So the faster mm-hmm. we can be upfront about it, the the quicker we can connect and get past the surface a surface niceties so I love this I was thinking you know a few questions with what I could ask you but I I thought I'll ask you this one it's fun how are you crazy (laughs) how am I not crazy I think that's the question (laughs) I think how am I not crazy I think I'm crazy because I am overpowering uh, Jonathan told me at some point, Jonathan, the first guest I had on the podcast, that I'm bigger than life. And I think that's one very, very nice way of saying that I should back the fuck down. Um, I, I want to be in everything. I want to know everything. I want to tell everything to everyone. Um, but I, as I am growing older, uh, according to my, according to my uh, plastic surgeon who's trying to get me to have plastic surgery because he said you finally hit the age we need to have plastic (laughs) surgery and I'm like not yet not yet but one of the advantages of getting older is that uh I realized why I'm doing things I'm doing and I think I'm I'm overcompensating for a lot of things I'm overcompensating for all the beat-ups that I got as a as a younger person and probably that's why I'm bigger than life because I was smaller than Mm. smaller than a grain for a long time I am crazy in the sense that I am extremely loyal. Like, I don't think you have any idea how loyal I can be. My Mm. best friends have been friends with me since high school. 
uh, I'm willing to to travel to the end of the world and back for for dear friend. Um, and uh, I'm crazy because I don't take things very seriously in the sense that I do not think that I should be married by now. I do not think that I should have kids by now. I do not think that I need to settle down um, just because somebody else tells me so. I was actually, you work at Microsoft before, right? I was in a Microsoft girls in STEM meeting, even though I'm not in STEM, but and I'm not a girl anymore, but apparently I fed the profile. And there was a very young girl in the audience who, after my introduction, and they had this very crazy introduction about, about my life, and the girl raised her hand and she said, so after all these amazing adventures, do you think you're going to ever settle down? And I said, no, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle down. I'm going to continue to live my life, whatever that is. But I think I am crazy because I want to be myself mm. and I don't want to be what other people tell me to be. Yeah, those are all great kinds of crazy to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. It's only good to be crazy when others are, uh, are the same crazy to you. And, and I always say this. You know, there's a reason why we like some people and we dislike others. It's not because they are better or worse. It's yeah, just exactly. because they are more compatible with your craziness. And yesterday I learned something um, about, do you know about the 80-20 rule in relationships? In other settings, but... Have you heard of yeah, it? Yeah, enlighten me how it applies to relationships. So, so this is what I learned yesterday. It says that you're going to be with somebody, mm -hmm. a man or a woman or whoever you want it to be. And they have to be so yeah. you, you'll never find somebody who's 100% compatible and you're going to be lucky if they are 80% mm. compatible that's the goal that's the ideal and the rest of the 20% has to be part of yeah. something that you yeah. can deal with so the crazy they have yeah. the 20% of the crazy they have it has to be something that you can tolerate because if mm -hmm. you cannot tolerate then you shouldn't be with that person right so you you just need that's what I said I am crazy, but I'm crazy good for others who are mm -hmm. crazy compatible with my craziness. Otherwise, I know I am very much aware and actually hurts me that so many people don't like me, that so many people find me so difficult to deal with. But, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to deal with that, too, and accept it. Speaking of acceptance, Crystal, and we are the 58th minute of this podcast. Um, Speaking of acceptance, there's a lot of crazies out there. There's a lot of people who are unconventional, yeah. but they are still in the conventional closet. This is yeah. the, the question that I usually ask everyone. Do you have any advice for people who are still closeted unconventionals? Mm. How can they come out of it? That's a really great question. I think, I think everybody, all of us are unconventional in our, in our own way. Um, yeah, and I think... One of the, I'm going to quote a children's book here, but I think it's appropriate. Uh, I really love what Dr. Seuss wrote. He said in one of his books, I think it's All oh, the Places You Go, which is uh, often given as a graduation gift, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he writes, there is no yeah. one alive who is youer than you. And earlier we talked a little bit about individualism and, and self-esteem and how that's not the same thing as self-compassion. Yeah. You know, I think being unconventional is yeah it's not because you're you're great so I think it's flipping that mindset on its head saying that um, you matter even if you're not great because just the fact that you're alive now at this point in history 
means that you have the ability to learn, you have the ability to make a difference. It does not have to be in a big way. It can mean a small way as well. Um, and I think uh, recognizing that, not just in our own experiences, but in other people, uh, you know, we might feel like, oh, I can't show my true self because everyone around me will judge me. I, I still feel that, I still struggle with that. Coming back to Malaysia, especially now that I'm back in my home setting, you know, people have certain expectations of me as a woman, as a, as a Malaysian Chinese, um, as I'm associated with so many things, uh, yeah. I have fill in forms and I have to put some religion. Yeah, yeah. There's a big box for you, right? There's a big box. Exactly, and, really, and I struggle with that as well. But I remind myself, I think the language that I learned from Christine Neff's work on self-compassion is uh, she uses the term common humanity. We all have this shared experience of Oh. Uh, learning to be patient and understanding with ourselves. And if we can see that other people are trying to do the same too, you know, then it helps us see other people less as a homogenous group and more as individuals that are also trying to be their true selves. And knowing that makes us less afraid or less, you know, maybe embarrassed of our own struggle just by acknowledging that hey this is a human condition i feel like that takes a lot of the pressure off it's less of oh i have this unique trait like why is it so difficult for me to break out of the box that's so much pressure on yourself flipping that script around and saying oh yeah. oh i i'm i'm trying to be more myself in a world that doesn't always make it easy and this is a common human struggle that i feel like is a lot less pressure and that alone makes it easier to overcome just by going easier on yourself and also secondly like feeling like you can reach out and talk to more people about it i've i've always been surprised um the people that i you know sometimes it's hard to i think maybe you're better at detecting you know when people are being their true selves or not but for me I'm only recently learning to be more sensitive to people's energy. For me, I, I think I'm a bit more mm. naive in the sense that yeah. I just like to test the waters. I just like to think. <laughs> maybe you're just maybe you're just kinder. Maybe you're just kinder and nicer. <laughs> and I, I don't have the patience for bullshit anymore. I never did, but now yeah, I also and sometimes have the I voice find like behind uh, it. testing the waters. I find people surprise you. People surprise have surprised me at least. Like I think like, oh, this person is so oh, yeah. um, proper and they will never be able to talk about this thing. And then they, you know, bam, <laughs> they open up. And usually it starts when I open bam. up first and then they realize like, oh, I can talk to Crystal about this. Okay, let me start talking about exactly. all my shit. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to ask you to ask me the last question and I'm going to try to answer quickly because uh, I have a feeling this is just part one of the interview that I have with you because the two of us could probably start Okay, I'm going to keep it short and fun then. I have a few questions, but I'll ask you the short and fun one. What, what is one okay. important lesson you've learned from your cats? Okay. From my cats. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Crystal and I share... Uh, uh, undying passion for pets and especially for cats and I think for me especially because I can't have dogs here so what I have learned is believe it or not how to be a little bit more playful yeah. 
and a lot more patient. And I know parents say the same thing, but because I'm not a parent, obviously, I don't want to make the assumption that <laughs> having a cat is like having a child. So do not come after me, people. But I'm just saying it's so if you allow yourself to enjoy something and look at the cat and start smiling because she's the cutest thing ever, then you're going to give yourself a better life. And that's why I am such a huge promoter. And both of us, we are massive promoters of people fostering and adopting pets. And uh, Crystal, we both love allergic rescuers oh, yeah. in, in, in uh, Malaysia. You actually brought me to this, to this uh, rescuing group. Um, but I, I just love the playfulness. I love the fact that they give me love and they, then I can be a little bit less stuffy and serious and realize, you know what, at the end mm -hmm. of the day, Cats just, are no bullshit. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that too. And I don't know if you guys know, but I have a cat tattooed on, on my shoulder. Um, that was a very, very stupid thing that I did when I was 18. It wasn't stupid that I got a cat tattoo. It was stupid that <laughs> I smoked pot for the first time and I got a tattoo. And even more stupid than this was the guy who did it smoked pot and, and got, gave me the tattoo. And it's terrible. It's very ugly looking. But even back then, when I didn't really think that I like cats, what I loved about cats, I always thought I want to be like one. I've noticed how self-sufficient, how confident, how very choosy they are about the things they want to do. And I always thought they are the opposite of what women mm. are asked to be in this society. Mm. And I always mm -hmm. wanted to be a yeah, cat. That's a great From that knowledge. Sense. But that's what... That's what I love about my cats, and that's what I learned from them. All right, people, I know we are probably way, way over time, but don't you worry about things. We had a lot of fun. And by the way, the reason why I love doing this podcast is even the, if the only listeners <laughs> are the two people who are on the podcast right now, Always. I feel like the two of us learn a lot from each other, Crystal. Um, I think, uh, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, the reason why I interview in quotes, normal people, is to realize how many extraordinary and highly unconventional people walk with us every day in this life, that you don't have to only look at Lady Gaga or RuPaul to think that they are special and I'm not. Each and every one of us is special. It's unconventional. It's extraordinary. And so you Thank are. Thank you so Crystal much Chuck. for so having me Thank for you so this very much great conversation. Today. I always learn a lot, like I said at the beginning, and I really appreciate this. Um, yeah, this open, candid, un unplanned, unconventional conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I will see you soon. And oh, I love so this podcast much. so much. We're going to try to Thank publish you. it today. Thank you, everybody. Stand by for a very, very quick lesson of the day. And I. Welcome back, guys. Wasn't Crystal amazing? Amazing. I have so many notes. I have so many things that I'm going to reflect on and think about. And because we had a really long interview, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about our third segment, which is the lesson of the day. But because I am a professor and I cannot leave you without the lesson of the day, I want to talk today about the power of validation. So validation is one of the top 10 smart skills that I preach and teach about. And we talked to Crystal about, you know, being criticized, about protecting yourself, about showing self-compassion, about going through the process of questioning who you are because the world doesn't like the box that you're, you're trying to get out of or they, they don't like the fact that you're trying to get out of the box. So 
For me, validation, it's a massively important tool that allows you to practice self-compassion, that allows you to, to realize that you are worth loving yourself and others. So what do I think is validation? Validation is not cheering for somebody, it's not, it's not uh, feedback. Validation is uh, realizing that you are valid, that somebody's work is valid, regardless of perceptions or, or helpfulness is what is validation is paying attention true attention when somebody is speaking and showing what you learn from what she or he says um, is um, reflecting back on somebody saying something and then trying to understand how that that um, reflection can help you better understand uh, the person um, it makes you try to um, not agree with somebody per se, but to try to understand where that person is coming from and validate their uh, perspective. But um, it's also a very important tool in validating yourself. When you do something really good and you put a lot of work in it and you feel like, you know what, I deserve to be happy about this, you know, be happy about it. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of our current society, for some reasons, uh, they don't really love, they don't really accept, they don't really uh, encourage us to be self-validating. And I know a lot of the millennials are, are called, I think Crystal said that they are, they are the snowflakes, but that's not what I mean. I'm, I'm not saying validate yourself for the simple fact of existing, but if you put the hard work in and if you're happy about the results and if today you look cute, say, you know what, I look cute today. And then maybe tomorrow you don't, but at least today validate that. So show yourself some, some self-compassion normalize your emotional experience. If you feel good about it, enjoy it, embrace it, and and love it. So, amazing podcast today, if I may say so. Thank you so very much to the people who listened to all the, um, I think this is the fourth episode that we have right now. I will see you very soon here on the Unconventional Professor podcast. This is your professor, Loredana Padurian. Thank you so much for coming back today for another episode class dismissed.